0: The third day of training camp is in the books. Let's talk about that. One, two, three, four! Good morning, Panthers fans. Happy Monday. I hope your week is off to a great start. If you're listening to me, then it already is. So thank you so much for listening. My name is Wes Taylor, and this is the Daily Panthers Podcast. You can follow me at Daily Panthers on Twitter for all your Panthers news, sports, entertainment, analysis, all the things. I have no insider information, only outsider information from the inside. Really, not even from the inside, just me looking at things that Joe Person and Will Kunkel and other analysts, Sheena Quick, all the people have to say, and just consolidating them basically into one place. That's all it is consolidation of Panthers news. So. Today we're going to be talking about day three of training camp. Everything seems to be going as it should. Uh, Bryce Young has had some growing pains, some hiccups, but nothing to get too worried about. Um, A look around, the division tells us that we are in good shape. For the Falcons we have uh, Desmond Ritter, who has been having a lot of issues. Uh, At first, you know it's kind of growing pains, but at a point you get a little bit worried, especially with a rookie I know he's not technically a rookie, but it would be his first full season starting if he does lock down the job. Honestly, I think Marcus Mariota would have been better off staying and trying to compete for the starting role with Desmond Ritter in play. I don't know what the story is there if Marcus Mariota left on his own accord or if the Falcons kicked him out and didn't even want to sign him as a backup. So whatever the case may be, I think he would have had a legitimate shot to start this year if the reports coming out of Falcons camp are true in that Desmond Ritter has been missing a lot of throws. Uh, they He hasn't hit any deep balls. The highlights that they're showing out of him are very limited. It's very simple stuff. And even the highlights that they did show, the throws were a little bit late. And these were like one-on-zero throws to guys without pads on. He has no pads on that should be on time every time, like the most simple things. It's like the equivalent of a layup in basketball. So it's a little concerning for them and for him to be in that fact, uh, in that that role at this point, to be in the news constantly for underachieving. But again, taking everything with a grain of salt at this point. Uh, With that one, it's becoming concerning. But again, I don't know how many practices the Falcons have had, but it's probably three or four So I don't think that they should be running to the hills and panicking. But I do think that this is kind of a make or break year for Desmond Ritter, obviously. I don't think he's going to get any more chances after this. So if he doesn't perform this year, they're going to be moving on pretty quickly. And I don't know where they're going to move on to because they have a good enough team to finish in the middle. I don't think they're bad enough to get a Caleb Williams or a Drake May. But I don't think they're good enough to actually compete for a playoff spot. I think Vegas and other analysts or quote-unquote experts have us finishing third in the division behind the Falcons and the Saints with the Bucks bringing up the rear, regardless of what Tristan Wirfs has to say. For those of you who don't know that story, Tristan Wirfs predicted that they would have 12, I think, wins, 12 or 13, and he basically said that they were going to surprise the league, which if you have to say that you're going to surprise the league, I don't think that you're going to surprise the league much. Um, but I don't know if everyone remembers coming out of training camp, uh, player-wise, uh, Jamar Chase was getting a lot of hate, a lot of people saying he couldn't catch, he had a lot of dropped balls. Um, he was. They were saying that it's easier to spot the ball in college than pros, or the, I can't remember what it was exactly, but basically they were like, he's having trouble seeing the ball. And then he turned in one of the greatest rookie campaigns in receiver history, but again, Modern NFL numbers. If you go back just fifteen years and take a look at the numbers, it's like the best quarterback in the league would have like thirty or thirty uh, touchdowns with like ten picks and like a three to one. That was like an elite touchdown to interception ratio. And then someone like Aaron Rodgers comes along and just changes the game. and has like forty-five touchdowns with like four picks the whole season. It's just become so easy for quarterbacks to be successful in this league and and just get those gaudy stats you used to have like one or two guys who would get 4,000 yards every year now it's like considered unsuccessful if you don't get 4,000 yards passing in a season so now it's like I think there's I don't know the number off the top of my head but I would not be surprised if there was 15 guys who had 4,000 yards rushing plus receiving in the NFL last year which would have been good enough to win the MVP like every year That's why I'm not a huge proponent of comparing current players to past players, because even 10 years ago, it is not the same league as it was currently. This whole league is just set up for offense, especially for passing, and it's kind of showing itself with the the latest running back news, with Jonathan Taylor sitting out and Jim Irsay, 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 showing his ass again. The dude is a drunk, and even though he is not very tactful, he is correct in some ways that Jonathan Taylor essentially has no leverage running backs in general have no leverage this is common knowledge at this point I think Jonathan Taylor was a second round pick though if I remember correctly so I don't think he has that fifth year option right so so they can use the franchise tag but he's at least one year ahead of what a first round draft pick would be I think I think Jonathan Taylor was like the thirty fourth overall pick or something like that Um, so I could be wrong about that though but for us we uh, Frank Reich and Scott Federer have both said that they value the running back position which is why Miles Sanders is paid like a top 10 running back at this moment and hopefully he performs up to that I think he is going to be a major piece of this offense but then again every time they talk to any guy on the offense he talks about his use in Frank Reich's system. The running backs talk about how much the running backs are used and how valuable they are. The tight ends talk about how valuable the tight ends are. Frank Reich talks about mismatches with running backs and tight ends. And then you have talks about wide receivers. And all in all, Frank Reich's offenses are, they run the ball well. And if he has a good quarter quarterback, they pass the ball well. And overall, they are good. Um, he had a good season with Carson Wentz. He had a good season uh, with andrew luck he's had good quarterbacks in the past who have had success including a super bowl so he himself probably the best backup quarterback in the history of the nfl so all that to say frank greg's offenses really utilize all the players so the ball is going to be distributed very equally that's why we have a point guard at the quarterback position at this point point. Um, and speaking of our point guard Seems like he is coming to his own at training camp. He went 10 for 15 in the like kind of serious 11 on 11. Shy Smith got undercut for an interception. I did not see the play. I just saw the report of it. It was by Shaq Thompson. Um, Shaq being one of the worst covering linebackers in the NFL. Shai Smith being one of the worst graded wide receivers in the NFL. So that is, I don't know, iron sharpens iron, whatever the opposite of that is. Um, paper crumples paper i don't know but either way it's two uh, players who are the worst at what happened in the nfl so i'm not gonna really take anything away from bryce uh, but at the same time you can't really make any excuses for that because shaq thompson again one of the worst covering linebackers in the nfl and um, according to pro football focus if you want to look at the grades uh, go for it but yeah, you'd, I don't know whose fault it was. I don't know if it was Shy Smith or if it was just a really good play by Shaq Thompson. Um, Shaq also is definitely able to use his mental um, his mental quickness and his experience to be able to be a step ahead of Bryce at this point. Shaq's been in the league for a long time. I don't know, like eight to ten years at this point. So he has been here for a while. I don't think it's been ten years yet, but he, he's, he's been around for a while at this point. Much longer than Bryce either way. So yeah, I'm not too worried about that. Once Bryce kind of gets his feet under him, it's still, again, it's only day three. Bryce has flashes that are good and flashes that are not so good. We've heard a lot of reports of Sam Darnold being really good in training camp, and I'm like, that just goes to show you that you really have to take training camp with a grain of salt. Everyone thinks their quarterback is freaking Patrick Mahomes, and everyone's in the best shape of their lives, and Everyone looks good, and even when you get pads on, guys are not going 100% unless they're fighting for a roster spot. So you have guys like Shai Smith or Sam Darnold or Baker Mayfield or whoever who are going to look good in training camp. That is not something that you should worry about, and I have nothing against Sam Darnold. There's just some things that you cannot replicate in a training camp setting. It goes back to what I've talked about before about the pocket presence It's like when the pocket breaks down, it doesn't really break down in training camp. It's no one's going to touch you. You have all the time in the world. You're not going to get hit. If you make a mistake, it doesn't matter. There's no consequences. But when the game is on the line, even in college, Bryce Young has shown us time and time again that he is that guy and he can make those plays and he enjoys being in those situations. There was one play where he was smiling because it was... Like, he was so excited about the moment. he's like, this is what you dream of as a kid growing up, having these moments, being able to, in this situation, be the guy who wins the game. It's like, you know, bottom of the ninth, two outs, bases loaded, down by three, got to hit a grand slam, like that sort of situation as a kid. He has gotten to live that out. And he kind of talks about how that's exciting to him and not nerve-wracking to him, which for a lot of guys it is because they don't want to let down their team or the fans but for him, he looks at it as an opportunity. So I still think that the things that make Bryce Young great are not going to show up in training camp. They will show up in training camp in some ways, like his processing, his mental game, his mental quickness, um, just the whole mental side of it, like Peyton Manning or Philip Rivers or whoever else Frank Reich has mentioned before. That part of it will show up. He'll know the schemes He'll know kind of some things to check into. He won't know 100% yet. I think it's going to take about the first half of the season before he's completely comfortable with the system to be able to get to what he wants to get to every single time. Starting the season, he'll be able to get to what he wants to get to probably like 50% of the time, and then the other 50%, it'll take him a while, a little bit to be able to get to those. But that part of it can come through. But his playmaking ability cannot come through His ability to extend plays cannot come through. His ability to work from a collapsing pocket, to be able to move the pocket, to be able to run at all, east to west, north to south, the ability to improvise. All of these things make Bryce Young Bryce Young. So the things that made Sam Darnold good, this is just a comparison because Sam Darnold was, first of all, our quarterback last year, or Baker Mayfield, whoever you want to choose, and then Sam Darnold also was just referenced in relation to either Joe Montana or Steve Young. I can't remember which. But Kyle Shanahan mentioned him specifically in that context. So that's why I am bringing him up. I'm not doing it unsolicitedly. I'm not a hater like that. But they brought him up, not me. Well, I guess I am now. But um, So the things that make Sam Darnold good, even though he's not good, what the things that he is best at are making plays on time when things go right his timing is good he has the natural attributes he has the measurables he just doesn't have the six inches between his ears that's the part that he gets to where it's like that is his weakness it's like the things that sam darnold is good at or supposed to be good at is kind of the opposite of bryce young sam darnold is a good-sized dude He has arm strength, he has the kind of historic look as a quarterback, tall, 220 pounds or whatever, being able to throw from a pocket, stoic, etc., cool-headed. And then you've got Bryce Young, who is short, historically short, not just short, but historically short, small, moves out of the pocket, improvises, makes plays. The things that makes him great are not going to show in training camp. Training camp is a perfect scenario for someone like Sam Darnold, where everything is calculated, everything is scripted, everything is going to go exactly how it's supposed to. But when you get out on the field, when you get on that field on Sundays, it, nothing is going to go how it's supposed to. Or some things will, but a lot of things will not. And whenever that is crumbling and that pocket is collapsing, and the play does not come out like it's supposed to, or that read doesn't work out like you thought it would, or their look is different than what you thought it would be, that's where Bryce Young shines. So you're not going to see the Bryce Young that we drafted yet, and that is okay. That is to be expected. Remember, we drafted Bryce Young to do all the things that I mentioned in pads on Sundays. We did not draft a training camp superstar, and while he will be good at training camp, it is not a chance for him to showcase... His abilities. It is not a chance for him to show us who he really is. It is a chance for him to learn the playbook. That's all we're worried about right now is him learning the playbook, building rapport with his teammates. I'm I'm personally, and you should not either be worried about performance. You should not be worried about interceptions, completions, numbers, how does he look? We're not worried about any of that because it's not even a comparison. It's not even a comparison. The dude does not have his weapons yet. And by weapons, I mean the things that I mentioned earlier. Not his receivers, tight ends, running backs, whatever. But his ability to utilize the parts of his games that are capitalized on Sundays with pads on. Against defenses, running blitzes. The ability to break down what they are doing, counter it, and make the play. He's not going to have that ability right now. And um, the guys in the line are not going to have the ability to push him to do that yet even when we get pads on it's not going to be a situation in which Bryce Young is going to get to be Bryce Young so chill out relax stay a while have a sip have a smoke whatever um, but just don't get too caught up in what Bryce Young looks like because uh, ultimately at the end of the day as i said it's not Bryce Young it's not it's not it's just not it's practice Bryce Young it's it's practice mode that's all it is there's no stakes which is where Bryce Young excels. If you look at the stats, he, uh, in college, I don't know the exact numbers, but basically every chance he had in the fourth quarter to give his team the lead or tie it, he did. Every single time, every single opportunity. Watch the game against Auburn. That's historic. Backed up against, I think he was on like the two-yard line to start that draft, drove 98 yards in like a minute and 10 seconds. Improvisation all over the place hitting guys in stride, converting fourth down, smiling while he's doing it. That is the guy that we, I was going to say hired. We technically did hire him, but that is the guy that we signed. So be excited about that. Be excited about those moments. You think that's going to go away on Sundays? Why would it? Why would it go away? Because there's a big difference between Auburn and, I don't know, the Falcons. There's a big difference between Alabama and even the Cleveland Browns. Yes, of course there is. The number of guys on an NFL squad are all NFL caliber. That's why they're on an NFL team. The guys on a college team, maybe 10% of them are NFL caliber. And for some of those guys, even if they are NFL caliber, they're not the same guys that they will be when they get into the league because they'll be two years removed because they're 18, 19, 20 years old. They're not men yet. Then, yeah, sure, make that argument all you want. But I can make the same argument about the teammates that were with Bryce Young at Alabama. You had someone like Jameer Gibbs, who, of course, is a great talent. But outside of that, his receivers were hurt. He did not have all of his weapons, nearly all of his weapons. If you compare his junior year, or sorry, his second year to his third year, his first year, I think you've only played in like seven games. So his second year was when he had all his weapons. And I think he took Alabama to the national championship and lost. But he absolutely destroyed Georgia in the SEC Championship game. Don't forget that. Everyone wants to give credit to CJ Stroud for doing the exact same thing that Bryce Young did. That was, even I was a CJ Stroud supporter in a lot of ways. I think at the end of the day, I was happy they got Bryce Young, but it, there was a while there where I wanted CJ Stroud. And everyone wants to give him credit for torching that defense. But if you look compared to Bryce Young's game against them in the SEC Championship, It's pretty similar in a lot of ways, the ways that he beat them, um, and that defense was just as good, I think, that year, Um, and they ended up winning the national championship that year, obviously, over Alabama, and then they ended up winning it the next year against TCU, like, 65-7 to or something, and CJ Stroud was torching them with, like, one of the greatest wide-receiving cores in the history of the NFL, possibly, yet to be determined, not NFL, but NCAA, yet to be determined, because we don't know the whole extent of these guys' careers, but someone like uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., and oh my gosh, all their receivers' names are escaping me, because I'm pretty sure Marvin Harrison Jr. got hurt too. I don't remember totally. I did watch that whole game, so but it was, it's been a while now. But either way, Bryce Young, when he had weapons, and when he had healthy weapons and didn't have to carry the entire offense on his shoulders, he had... What, like 45 touchdowns and like 10 picks or something ridiculous? Like he was, his numbers were insane. He had an amazing year. Uh, Like one of the best years in the last like 10 or 15 Heismans against the top competition in college football. So when he gets with the Panthers, hopefully everybody stays healthy and he is able to capitalize on that and use his strengths as his strengths and be the guy who we drafted on Sundays. Because we did not draft him for shorts and a t-shirt. And Frank Reich, did, dang near, did a backflip when he was asked about pads. So I think he's excited to get Bryce Young in pads as well because he knows better than anyone Bryce Young in pads is the real Bryce Young. Not shorts and t-shirt working out for coaches, Bryce Young. So I think that he is super excited about that and he should be. And I think that this is going to be a little bit more of an eye-opener for us once they get pads on. It will be exciting, Uh, but again, grain of salt. Just a grain of salt. Even with someone like Desmond Ritter, take it with a grain of salt. People are trying to get clicks. You get clicks from evoking emotions, usually negative. So negative emotions will try to be evoked in training camp. That's just the way that it is. How do you think Skip Bayless has made $10 million a year? He doesn't get no viewers, as much as people like to think that, or as much as people like to think he's an idiot. He does say stupid things, but he himself is not an idiot. He knows how to manipulate the system and get clicks, and that's what's going to come out of training camp is a bunch of clicks, for better or for worse. Whether it's true or not, it's going to be the most extreme version of whatever is happening. And Desmond Ritter has not looked great. He hasn't. That's true. But I also think, again, the same doubt has to be given to him as it is someone like Bryce Young. I think he is a year ahead of Bryce, so he has a little bit shorter of a leash, And no matter what Bryce does this year, as long as he doesn't bomb like someone like Zach Wilson or Sam Darnold, then he will be fine. And I don't think that is going to be the case. He's coming into a great situation with Frank Reich and others and also his weapons. And while he doesn't have one weapon, I think that he has many good weapons. He doesn't have any elite weapons, but he has many good weapons. And I think someone like Bryce Young, who distributes the ball so well, if you watch his games, he's throwing at the tight ends with receivers, running backs. He's getting everyone involved. He's running himself. So you don't really need a guy to just be elite. Um, and David Tepper kind of alluded to this during draft night that we have a point guard that we have drafted and he can distribute the ball as easily as possible, regardless of who is on our offense. So he's going to make it work, whether it is Joe Schmo or whether it is... Raheem Blackshear or CMC or DJ Moore or whoever it would have been that we traded we traded those guys knowing we were going to take Bryce Young understanding that he was going to be able to elevate the guys around him and if he is able to do that then we will not miss DJ Moore you have to think about the replacement value of players as well that's what's going into the running back market right now it's not that these guys aren't contributing because they are you have someone like Saquon Barkley who is contributing like 15 1,700 yards from scrimmage. That's not the problem. The problem is the wins above replacement or the replacement value. If you, and it's the same thing with fantasy football. So listen to this very carefully. The value that your guy has is just basically the value that he has against the guy who could replace him. I don't know if there's a war in football a wins above replacement but I know there is in baseball it's like how many more wins do you get because this guy was in your in your backfield and that goes to the CMC point where we got rid of CMC and our run game improved or it was at least the same and we actually got better as a team now that could be attributed to Matt Rule and his inept offense and coaching or quote-unquote coaching but at the end of the day people were calling for us to keep Dante Foreman why because he did great and why did he do great because any running back can have great statistics and if we have to get that from a combination of guys that's okay because there can only really I mean there can be more than one guy on the field as a running back but typically if there's two it's not very often I don't think I don't know in Frank Reich's offenses specifically how many running backs he has on the field typically but If there's, it's not like receivers where you have two, three, four guys on the field at one time with running back, only one of them's getting the ball typically on the field and it doesn't really matter who you have. They're going to get those yards and if they don't, you can replace them with the next guy. And that's the problem right now, that DJ Moore's replacement value was easier to replace than someone like Brian Burns or J.C. Horn, because if you think about it, who are we going to replace DJ Moore with? Oh, we're just going to draft him. A younger, cheaper rookie. If we had to replace someone like Brian Burns, who would we pick? The edge position was very, very sparse. The cornerback position, very sparse as well. That's why we didn't take those positions in the second round. There was kind of a gap there. It was a little bit empty. And I think that that's why we were more comfortable. Because wide receivers are not a dime a dozen. But they are more so a dime a dozen than running or than defensive ends or cornerbacks. Um, So Bryce Young's ability to distribute the ball is going to be on full show, and I think that he is going to elevate this good offense to a very good offense, the same way that he did at Alabama his second year starting, his third year at Alabama, where he didn't have the same weapons as he did his second year, and he was still able to elevate them to be a very good offense and a very at the very least, a very serviceable offense, which in the SEC is a very good offense. And at the end of the day, when you have a guy like that, it kind of takes a little bit of pressure off where you're like, okay, I don't have DJ Moore, but he's gonna re- Hayden Hurst is going to replace 300 of DJ Moore's receiving yards. And then Miles Sanders is going to replace 200 of DJ Moore's receiving yards, and then Adam Thielen's going to replace 500. It's like suddenly you've replaced DJ Moore through spreading out his statistics and his abilities throughout other guys. Because when DJ Moore was eating, he was the only one who was eating because Sam Darnold loved him. And somehow DJ Moore was able to get 1,000 yards almost every season except his last one because somehow he found a way to eat regardless of who was under center. But now we are... Getting those yards because of our quarterback, not in spite of. Um, So, DJ Moore may not be on our team to get 1,100 yards, but Adam Thielen's there to get 800, and then Hayden Herschel's pick up the other 300, and then we've got a bonus in the backfield. So, I don't think that we're going to miss DJ Moore much this year. And I don't think that we should be worried about training camp, really. It's more of an entertainment thing. So, Yes, watch Training Camp. Keep up with Training Camp for the entertainment value, but not, do not take it as a news source. You should not be watching. Right now, you're, you're just watching an opinion piece. Don't take it as fact. Everything you see out there, it's just opinion. This is my opinion. So listen to it. Don't listen to it. Throw it away, whatever. But at least understand that it's an opinion and that you don't have to take every observation from camp as fact. Um, I saw someone say that Terrace Marshall and... Tommy Trimble hadn't been mentioned much, and I tweeted at Joe Person and asked him about it, and he said that Terrace Marshall has caught a ton of balls, and Tommy Trimble, they like his upside. Now, would I like to hear something better than they like his upside? Sure, we've liked his upside for a little bit now. We we don't need upside anymore. We need potential to be realized. Potential gets people fired. I've said that many times, and I will continue to say that. Potential gets people fired. That's why I'm not... So worried about draft picks that we gave away, because those draft picks will eventually represent players. The potential means more right now, but they will eventually represent players. And who would we take with those players? How are we to guarantee that they would have been good? We haven't been the most successful drafting outside of the first round anyway. So yes, it hurts to give up first round picks. That will always hurt. But if Bryce Young is able to elevate the people around him and distribute the ball like we think that he can distribute the ball, then it will not matter what those picks do because it wouldn't matter who we had. That's kind of like Brady elevating someone like Julian Edelman or whoever that was on his team because he's Tom Brady. He's going to make anybody look good. And that's the hope with Bryce Young, that he's able to make everybody look good and able to help everybody eat and everybody gets fed at the table and they can all make up for what we lost and get involved in this offense. And then you have Frank Reich, whose offense is already getting everybody involved. So you pair that with Bryce Young, who wants to get everybody involved, and that is his natural inclination. So you're pairing an offense that naturally is inherently balanced with a quarterback who is naturally inherently balanced. And you're going to get a very strong, balanced offense. And then if the defense is able to kind of pick up their end and dominate the way that we know that they can. It's going to be scary times here in Charlotte, and I think that you should be very excited about the direction of this team. I mean, don't hand the key to the city over to Bryce Young yet, but do know that his strengths are not being shown right now and that you just need to be patient because come September, they will be. And Frank Reich's offense will be able to exploit those in a good way and be able to show those as well. So not only are his strengths not being shown through training camp, because of the things that I mentioned, but also Frank Craig's offense has not been completely installed yet. So once that happens, he and Thomas Brown will be able to kind of exploit and focus on Bryce's strengths and be able to feed the offense through those. And I think that it's going to be really cool. And uh, yeah, I think Terrace Marshall, either, either Terrace Marshall or... Jonathan Mingo has to show up. One of them has to play like a first-round pick. One of them has to get 1,000 yards, or else we're going to have a hard season. So, And I think they will. I And mean, maybe it is balanced. And No one gets 1,000 yards, and we have a bunch of guys with six, 700 yards. That's fine, as long as the yards are there. I don't care who gets them. Um, but, yeah, I'm excited to see what Bryce Young is able to do. Keep an eye on training camp, but as always, take everything with a grain of salt. Hope you all go out and have a great week today. If you're going out to Spartanburg, make sure you drink plenty of water. Get those electrolytes. I'll talk to you later. Peace.